like that. You Hello, everybody, and welcome that. to this Friday like edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I'm very excited to be here. I will say this beforehand. My head is low-key, low-key bumping a little bit, low-key bumping a little bit. So I'm going to try and keep this one shorter. And saying that I also am well aware that I may have jinxed myself. We may be having a three-plus-hour-long show. I hope we don't reach that point. But you know what? We have reached long-ass shows before when I have literally started off the show by going, yeah, I want to try and keep this one short. I do got a little headache. I do got my glass of water right here next to me, so hopefully everything goes smooth. Hopefully. Can't guarantee everything, but hopefully everything goes smooth. But I am in a very good mood today. Despite my headache, that goes from a lack of sleep that I've had the past couple days. But I am excited. And I'll tell you why in a little bit, but we're going to go over some housekeeping items first here on the Logan Blackman Show to start this Friday edition. Make sure... You are following Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, listening right now, the Apple Podcast and Spotify account, Instagram, or yeah, I guess we'll start off with Instagram, is Blackman Logan, with the show's Instagram account being the Logan Blackman Show 1, the Twitter account is Logan underscore Blackman, Facebook and YouTube to search the Logan Blackman Show, they will pop up and give it a big old thumbs up and subscribe, and you're listening to it right now. And if you're listening to it right now, listen to the show right now, that means you're either on Apple Podcast or Spotify, so if you are not... Might as well just subscribe. If you never listen to a show again, just make sure you're subscribed so it makes me feel good about myself and leave a rating out of five stars on both of them. You can leave a rating out of one star. You can, or you can leave a rating out of one star. I mean, you can do that. You can do that. You can leave a one-star rating if you really want to. And but, but please, down below on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. Whether it's super good or super bad, just let me know. Let me know. I know we're on 15 ratings. Uh, on Apple Podcasts right now. I don't know what we're at on Spotify. I don't know if there's a way I can tell that or not. But yeah, it's fun. And I'm excited for today because today, Thursday, is the Field of Dreams game. We talked about the Field of Dreams game last year. It's between the Yankees and White Sox, who were both in playoff contention at the time they played the game. The, the White Sox won under Tim Anderson walk-off, one of the best games I've watched when I could have cared less. And some might say even hated both teams involved. Now, I know a lot of people, a lot, a lot of people out there have a real disdain for the New York Yankees. A real disdain. They put them up there with, like, the Cowboys. I don't know what basketball, the the Boston Celtics. I think they'd probably be the most hated team in basketball, historically. Maybe the Lakers. Hockey, I don't really know if we have a a vastly well-disliked team. I mean, in the Blackman household, it is the, the Detroit Red Wings and the Boston Bruins. But... Everywhere else, I don't really know if there's a mass-hated team around the world, in the, well, around, the, around the United States. I'm not going to be like the Super Bowl and say world champs when you just beat teams in the United States, and we're the only country that plays the game. I'm not going to do that. Around the world, no, in the United States. But the Yankees and Cowboys are the top two dogs. Do I hate the Cowboys? Yes. But not because of the reasons everybody thinks they do, or thinks I do. I hate the Cowboys because they beat the Bills twice in two Super Bowls. One embarrassingly bad one on my dad's birthday. So I dislike the Cowboys for that, and I have a few friends that are Cowboys fans, so I like to rub it in a little bit. And I've watched the Bills beat the Cowboys live. I was in, in Dallas, or Arlington, I guess I should say, when the Bills trounced the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. And the loudest that crowd ever got is when they booed Jason Garrett when he ran on the field, pumped in fake crowd noise the entire time. It was fun. It was fun. I've experienced Cowboys fans in a game setting twice. The other one was Minnesota, and my friends that I went with, two of them being Vikings fans, one, a Chiefs fan who threw away his loyalty to wear a Viking sweatshirt, found the Cowboys fans around them to be very, 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 very annoying. 
Now, personally, I saw this on Twitter. I, I didn't mean to go off in this little segue about most hated teams in America, but it was the thing in the NFL. It was top five worst fan bases in football. I want to see if I can find this real quick because I was going to screenshot it, but I, I forgot to. NFL hated fan bases. Is that what you have to search on Twitter to find this thing? Hated fan bases. There was an official graphic. I don't know who's who the graphic was by, but I had a bone to pick with it. I had a bone to pick with the graphic because I had experienced live four of the five teams that were in the top five in a game setting. Worst fan bases, I guess. I don't, I don't know. What was the graph? I want to know who the graphic was on. Hold on. I'm trying to find... Okay, we're not going to find it, but I know four of the top five teams were some of the teams you'd expect. So, like, Cowboys, Patriots, Packers, Chiefs. There was one more. There was one more in there. Who else I've, Who else have I been a part of? Because I haven't, I haven't been at a, to a Packers game. Who else would have been on this list? I'm completely blanking on who the other team was on this list. Because there was one more that I have experienced before. I don't remember. Did I say Patriots, Cowboys, Chiefs, Packers? I know those were four of them. And Eagle, Eagles, Eagles, Eagles. Yeah, so those were the five. I have experienced the Eagles, the Patriots, the Cowboys, and the Chiefs. Out of those four, okay, and I've experienced Vikings fans as well and Bengals fans, but they don't really bother me that much. I have friends that are Vikings fans, and I have family friends that are Bengals fans. I really have no beef with the Bengals. Out of all of them, I like the Bengals fans because they were struggling the same as the Bills were when we went down there. It was that week a few years ago when it was the first year, I believe it was the first year, they moved the extra point back. It was like the worst week of kicking ever. It was Mike Nugent for the Bengals versus uh, Dan Carpenter for the Bills. I almost said Ed Carpenter, the IndyCar driver. Dan Carpenter. And <laughs> the Bills ended up winning, so it was pretty cool. But out of those four fan bases, this might come as a surprise to you because they were number one on this list that I saw. I had the least amount of problems with the Eagles fans. And I know a lot of people are going to have issues with that because I know historically the Eagles are not the most well-respected groups of fans out there. I went out to Buffalo with my dad and two of our friends who are Eagles fans, and we really had no issues. Like, we went to the tailgate and all the Eagles fans were around. They were doing their stupid E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles chant. Which I don't know which one's worse. That one or the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets chant. But, like, cool. You know how to spell. You don't need to rub it in our faces for the people who don't know how to spell. So just chill out on your spelling here, okay, buddy? Okay? B-I-L-L-S. That'd be a cooler chant than E-A-G-L-E-S. But that was the only issue I really had with them. But I know, historically, there has been times where they have thrown golf balls, they've thrown snowballs. They threw snowballs at Santa Claus at the old vet stadium (laughs) before Lincoln Financial Field became a thing. They obviously had their run-ins with the Minnesota Vikings in the NFC Championship game when they trounced them, I think, 38-7. to They had run-ins there. Like, Eagles fans, and they did not did not like Donovan McNabb. They booed Donovan McNabb when he got drafted. Never really fixed the relationship with Donovan McNabb. Don't really have that great of relationships with all of their players. I mean, and that's every fan base. There's obviously some players from every single fan base that they just did not like that player. Just did not. I think every team Kiko Alonso's ever been on. Apart from his first, a few months in Buffalo, none of his teams that he played for like him. And he just retired after six years. One of the most lopsided trades in NFL history. The Bills had two. <laughs> it's not that far apart from each other. LaShawn McCoy for Kiko, Kiko Alonso for LaShawn McCoy straight up. And Kelvin Shepard for Jerry Hughes straight up. 
And if you know Kelvin Shepard, he was just on hard knocks. He was a former linebacker, was on the Bills, got traded to the Colts for Jerry Hughes. Jerry Hughes is one of the greatest Bills defensive ends of all time. Not that there's a very long list past Bruce Smith. And <laughs> Kelvin Shepard played one year on the Colts, retired after like six seasons of the NFL. But Hard Knocks was awesome. Hard Knocks was awesome. I knew it was going to be fun when they announced the Lions would be the team to go for, or that team were going to be in it. But good Lord, that was fun. Aiden Hutchinson, beautiful rendition of Billie Jean by Michael Jackson. Beautiful. Dan Campbell, great sound bites as per usual. Great stuff. But back to the Eagles, they don't really have the issues that they have. And I remember talking to one of the people there, and this could sound snide. This could sound a little like backhanded stuff or whatever, but they were like, the Eagles fans that go on the road are the ones that can afford tickets. The the fans that make their presence known that give Eagles fans a bad name are the poor blo- poor people. I almost said poor blokes like my English. The poor people that sit up in the nosebleeds. They get all the fights and stuff like that. I was like, okay. I mean, there was no real issues at the Bills game. The Eagles killed the Bills. That was one of the few games that year that I think the Bills rightfully got annihilated in because they were never in that game. Josh played bad. The whole team played bad. Carson Wentz killed the Bills in that game with his legs. Killed them. It was raining, half snowing, cold, cloudy. Like, it was a miserable day. But great, great fun. It was really fun. Just uh, wish the result was a little bit different. Made the whole 13-hour car ride back a whole lot better. But I've had no problems with Eagles fans. Really. And then the second to last one is the Cowboys fans. Now, I understand why my Vikings friends had problems with it. But when we were in Dallas, now this could also sound a little bit snide, a little bit snarky for my part. We were in a box, okay? We, <laughs> we, were, we were above everybody else. But we were also right by a speaker, so I could hear the fake crowd noise getting pumped in the stadium. But I had no issues with them. Apart from them booing their head coaches with the loudest point they ever got in the game. Granted, there was not a lot of stuff other going other than that going on in the game for the Cowboys. Really rough game for the boys in blue that day. No, not the boys in blue. What do you want to call them? The boys in white. They don't wear blue. <laughs> Traditionally just wear white uniforms. But I had no issues with them either. Patriots fans suck. Now, that's a, a whole thing of 20 years of being relevant. They went to one Super Bowl in the 20th century, got annihilated by the 85 Bears. Sucked the rest of the time. No, they went to two Super Bowls. They got beat by double digits by the Packers in the other one. (laughs) Almost killed Jim Plunkett. Then he went left and won two Super Bowls with the Raiders. And before Brady got there, I can even, I can say before Brady. Because even Belichick, when he was there his first year, they did absolutely nothing. I think they went 5-11 Belichick's first year there. I think. I could be very wrong about that. Before Brady, no one gave a rat's ass about the New England Patriots. They were just another team. They were nothing special. And then this guy wearing number 12 walks in with stupid haircut and starts tearing apart the league. And now people are talking about three years since Tom Brady's been gone. They missed the playoffs, made the playoffs last year, and got absolutely embarrassed. And then now they're talking about, I saw Adam Shine on Twitter said they're the 13th best team in the AFC. Which says a little bit about the Patriots, but also the grand scheme of how really good the AFC is going to be this year. Like, all, a lot of the really good players in the NFC jumped ship and got traded or signed in for agency over on the AFC side of things. Like, got Tyreek Hill, J.C. Jackson, Khalil Mack. Like, there's some good players, I guess, that either left the J.C. Jackson left the Patriots, but that joined the AFC or left the Patriots this offseason. So it's going to be very interesting. But three years since Brady's left, and we're already talking about how they're the 13th best team in the AFC. 13th. 
just let their offensive coordinator go. There was talks of them getting Bill O'Brien, and I think uh, Joe Judge is going to be offensive coordinator this year, which is terrifying. So I might retract my statement what I said on Wednesday about Mac Jones having the second best situation out of all the rookie quarterbacks from last year, because good lord, <laughs> he has got ugh, Joe Judge is his offensive coordinator. Good lord, they're going to have nothing going for him. But they were just so annoying. So annoying. And the Chiefs fans, number one, easily. I've complained about Chiefs fans a thousand times here on the show. And I think that comes from me being from the Midwest, being from Iowa. Like In Des Moines, we are three hours away from Kansas City. So I would guess, this could be wrong, but if you pulled the city of Des Moines and the suburbs, I think you would find more Chiefs fans and Vikings fans than anybody. I know there's going to be, I said this before, we got Steelers fans, we got Packers fans, we've got... I don't know, those are the main... The Cowboys fans, obviously, they're America's team. But you experience a lot of Chiefs fans. Then when I went down to Oskaloosa for William Penn, they recruited a lot of people from the state of Missouri. And if you're from the state of Missouri around this time, you are a Chiefs fan because the Rams were leaving. Rams just jumped ship to Los Angeles. My senior year of high school. So everybody that was in Missouri, when we went to William Penn, they already sworn off their allegiances to the Rams... And either joined somewhere close, like the Titans. My friend Alex, who's the quarterback there, he joined He joined the Titans team. My friend Brett never even really decided on a team. But most of them, if they changed from the Rams, they went over to Kansas City Chiefs. So screw them, because then they flooded the state of Iowa and I had to deal with them all the time. One of my other friends had a dog named Chief. Terrible. But yeah, I've never, <laughs> in my experience at games, like the, the Bills-Chiefs playoff game, Helped mend a lot of my problems with the Kansas City Chiefs fans. A lot of them. It also doesn't help that one of my best friends is a Chiefs fan. That, that doesn't help anything either. And I went with him to the game, but we went down to the game. I had, I had a really good time. I talked so I was the only Bills fan in that section, so I had to make up for the lack of Bills fans by talking as much trash as possible. But we were laughing. It wasn't anything serious. We weren't, like, going at each other about, like, getting personal and stuff like that. No, it was just fine. It was smooth sailing the entire time. Smooth sailing. And then I got trash thrown at me because I had the audacity to, to say, now that's an elite quarterback, when Josh Allen threw the two-point conversion play to Stephon Diggs in the back of the end zone. I had the audacity to say that. Can't believe I said it. And then the Bills scored 13 seconds left. Those two dickheads got up and left. <laughs> but the people around me were like, they were on my side, which is pretty cool. I was ready to throw a hey, I stood up so fast and Brady pushed me back down because <laughs> I, I was not happy. I've never experienced that before in a game before. I've never had trash thrown at me before. And they didn't look at me the rest of the time. They did not look at me the rest of the game. I stared at, at the back of that dude's bald-ass head for like five minutes after that. He didn't look at me one more time. <laughs> so, yeah, Chiefs fans, easily number one. I would power rank it out of all the fans we've been to. I just want to bring up those four because we've been together with them. I have no real – I think the Pack. I think the Packers are on that list. I have a few friends that are Packers fans, but I don't really have a real issue with them. But it'd go Chiefs, Patriots, Cowboys, Eagles. That's how I would rank it in my experience. I know everybody's got different experiences with different groups of fans, but that is from my experience. Vikings fans are coming at five just because how uh, – what do you want to call it? How condescending they were when we were walking in the stadium. Like, we walked in, and they were like, you guys ready for the game? Because the Vikings were like 14.5-point favorites. Josh Allen's rookie year, second game he ever started against the, one of the best defenses in football when the Bills had not one of the the worst offensive line in football that year. <laughs> Nobody, the, the thing that's funny about that 
No starter apart from one on that off the line is even starting, let alone on a current roster in the NFL. That's Deion Dawkins. He's the starting left tackle for the Bills. And even he has his flaws here and there. He made a pro ball last year, had the best year of his career last year. But it was like Vlad Ducasse, John Miller, the worst guard tandem in NFL history, a mixture of Russell Bodine and Ryan Groy at center, and then freaking um, oh crap! What was the what was the right tackle's name? What was the right tackle's name? Oh no! Because he he tried to play a little longer. Buffalo Bills season. I gotta remember who the tackle was. The other tackle, Jordan Mills. So that that off the line. Now they had an All Pro guard and Wyatt Teller on their team, and just decided, you know what? We don't want to play him. Traded him. What did they trade Wyatt Teller for? Teller for. Who has turned into a two-time second-team All-Pro offensive guard, Pro Bowler, and stuff like that. You know, not that the Bills' worst <laughs> off-the-line position is guard. So, you know what? That's awesome. That is awesome. They traded him for a 2021 seventh-round pick. Oh, along with a 2021 seventh-round pick for a fifth and sixth-rounder. This is one of the best guards in the NFL. And like I've said, the Bills' off-the-line, the guard position has been the worst spot. Now, I am excited to see uh, Roger Saffold get implemented in the starting lineup. He has played zero times <laughs> this sprint, this this uh, summer, and he came back like last week, and he's already number one guard on, this, on the depth chart. That's how bad the Bills guard situation is. But it currently, re- this uh, Dawkins, Ducasse, Ryan Groy mixed with Russell Bodine, John Miller, and <laughs> Jordan Mills. John Miller and Vlad Ducasse is the worst guard tandem in NFL history. I don't care. I do not care. And then the Bills back once Josh got hurt against Houston when he jammed up his elbow, you had to watch Derek Anderson, Matt Barkley, and <laughs> Nathan Peterman, who had one of the worst games I've ever watched against the Baltimore Ravens when they lost like four. What was the final score of that? 47-3. to three. The Bills got ass-slapped so many times this season. <laughs> and you could tell when Josh Allen was and wasn't playing because the scores got a lot wider when he wasn't playing. <laughs> So he got hurt. So Nathan Peterman started against the Ravens, th- 47-3. Josh Allen's first ever start against the Los Angeles Chargers, 31-20. Against a team that had Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram with that offensive line that we just talked about. Then beat the Vikings, 27-6 in Minnesota. Lost the Packers, 22-0. That game was just bad. That, that was not a good game at all. Defense played all right, but that game was not that great. Titans, they won 13-12. Houston, he got hurt in the second quarter. I think it was uh, – I don't remember exactly what he – but he threw the ball to Kelvin Benjamin, and a defensive end came up and hit him right in the funny bone, right in the weenus, and he had to sit out for a few weeks after that. They lost 13-20 to because Nathan Peterman threw a, <laughs> a gift of a pick six, surprisingly, to the Texans, D- the Texans corner. And then the next three weeks, Reed, against the Colts, 37-5. to That was Derek Anderson playing that game. Pagers 25-6, to which is Derek Anderson again. And he didn't play against the Bears where they lost 41-9 to when the Bears' defense was top, top in the league. When they had, like, Khalil Mack and all them clicking on all cylinders. When they went to the, the playoffs and lost to the double doink that year. But that, that game is funny because Nathan Peterman scored the first rushing touchdown the Bears gave up that entire season that game. And that was the only touchdown the Bills scored, and they were getting annihilated the entire time. And then Matt Barkley playing, <laughs> getting signed on, like, Tuesday, beat the Jets 41-10. to which is really funny to watch. But Peterman and Derek Anderson got killed in three straight games. And then Josh beat the Jaguars in the Jalen Ramsey game was his first game back. Lost the Dolphins by three, which sucked. 
The game was awful. That was the game we were talking about where the Bills lost on the last when uh, Charles Clay dropped the pass. That was that game. Then they lost to the Jets by four, 27-23, beat the Lions, lost to the Patriots, and then destroyed the Dolphins the last game of the season. But it's just funny how that season just went out. They were expected to win two games. So the fact they ended up winning six is impressive. And Josh Allen was responsible for five of those wins <laughs> because they did absolutely nothing when he was not in the starting lineup that year. They sucked. That O-line was not good enough to play with a 40-year-old Derek Anderson. They were not good enough to hold off blockers long enough for Derek Anderson, who just got signed off the golf course to play. He was not going to move around like Josh was. Because in that year, Josh Allen's rookie year had like 800 rushing yards or something like that. He had to run for his life that entire year. How many yards did he have? Six, okay, 631 rushing yards. He actually had seven. Jeez, he had 763 yards last year. I didn't even realize that. But he was going off his rookie year running the ball. Passing the ball was a little up and down, but you could see things there. Running the ball sucked. But that was my experience with Vikings fans, Bengals fans. Again, we had no issues with them. But, man, this is a long-winded way to work our way back around the original point about people hating the New York Yankees. You like how I circled that back around? That's called professionalism right there, ladies and gentlemen. I know how to do this. I'm basically the expert at all of this. You need people to give convoluted points that make no sense and you don't know when the story's going to... You don't know when the plane's going to land? This is what I'm talking about. I don't know if I said this, but when we were coming back from Montana... We were going from Bozeman, Montana to Denver. We were checking the little in-flight thing. You go online. It's like the only internet you can access is where your plane is in the sky and how far you got to go to your next location. And Tom and I are sitting there, and the plane does a 90-degree turn and just ends up doing a 360-degree turn. It turns all the way around, and then like we wasted about 20 minutes. That's what this is. We had the original point. We were going to talk about the Field of Dreams game. And then we had this nine, this 360 turn where we just did a dumbass circle for no reason, but now we're back on track, okay? You understand where we got? We're back on track. We're back on track. But the Yankees, I really have no issue with them. I really don't. I've never experienced... I've, Tom's a Yankees fan. I have another friend named Connor who's a Yankees fan. And then I have another friend named Jackson who's a Yankees fan. I don't have a lot of other people like that I experienced that are Yankees fans. And other than Tom, <laughs> they're not that bad. <laughs> I got text from Tom. I didn't think I'd bring Tom up this much, but I got a text from Tom when the Cubs traded Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, and all those guys. And he called them broke boys because they couldn't keep their best players. It hurt. It was just minding my business. Minding my own business. And I get a blasted text message from Tom. So I'm starting to hate the Yankees more. <laughs> but I really, they've never affected me. They've never really had a – the Cubs have never really been a real threat to the Yankees at any point. Like when the Yankees were winning the World Series, like, okay, was I cheering for the Phillies? Yeah, but it didn't really hurt my feelings that the Yankees won. Like I liked some of the players the Yankees had. I liked some of them. Not all – I liked Curtis Granderson quite a bit. I think my – I think Drew my, – one of my other friends, Drew, is a Yankees fan. So there's four Yankees – four Yankees fans that I know. I think four. I think that's it. I'm not sure, but I've never been to I've never been to Yankee Stadium, and if I did, I'd probably like cry because it's one of the most. I know it's only been around for however many years, and now we're gonna make a big deal about the right field wall being shorter, even though it's been like that since it's been built. But now the Yankees are really good again, and they're smashing dingers. Matt Carpenter, like every other at bat, hits a home run, so people are gonna start bringing it up again or again for the first time ever. <laughs> 
Oh, man. But we had two teams in the playoffs last year. And I remember it was emotional watching it. I don't know how the fields will be if, if they're going to do the entrance like they did last year. The entrance last year was sick. Had Kevin Costner walk out of the cornfield, and then the Yankees and White Sox players walk onto the field from the cornfield. It was beautiful. Cinema at its finest. One of the greatest sports movies, not even baseball, one of the greatest sports movies of all time. I can make an argument that it is the best baseball movie of all time. And yes, I'm including Bull Durham. I'm including The Sandlot. I'm including Rookie of the Year. I'm including Major League. What other baseball movies out there? Space Jam, because he's playing baseball when he gets taken by the Monstars. Because remember, I'm a baseball player now. I don't play basketball anymore. So that counts. We're including all those movies, and I might even already, like, Darth Vader's not in those. He's not. The, G, the owner slash GM of the Cleveland Browns is not in this movie. Or not in any of those movies. But he's in. He's in Sandlot. Sand he's in Field of Dreams. And the Icubs are actually having a Rookie of the Year night. Rookie of the Year was my favorite sports movie growing up, or sports baseball movie growing up. But just because it involved the Cubs, and I loved the, <laughs> the reasoning behind how he could throw really fast. And then all of a sudden, nope, he can't throw anymore because he re-breaks his arm, and now he's done for the season again. <laughs> and now, he, now he's got to come up with tricks to beat up the – and Gary Busey's in it. Like, it's just a – it's a mess, but I love it. Major League's up there as well. I'd probably rank it, if I had to be honest. I'd probably go Field of Dreams, uh, Major League, Rookie of the Year, The Sandlot. Oh, no. Uh – Rechange that. Field of Dreams, Major League Rookie of the Year, Benchwarmers, Sandlot. I, I know Sandlot's a better movie, but I enjoy watching the Benchwarmers quite a bit, so do not come after me for saying I like Benchwarmers more than Sandlot, okay? Nothing against Sandlot. I like Sandlot a lot. Love Benny Rodriguez. Love all of it. He played ball like a girl. All of that. Chewing tobacco on the ride and throwing up. All of it. But I just enjoy watching the Benchwarmers. Like Frank John... Frank... Jeez, not Frank Thomas... Mr. October, what the hell? Why am I blanking so hard? Reggie Jackson, good lord. Reggie Jackson's in it. They have a statue of Darth Vader. Like, a great movie. Do not take anything away from Benchwarmers. Is it better than Sandlot? Like, if we're going critically, probably not. But, I enjoy watching Benchwarmers. My mom loves it as well, because I can say all the quotes to her, and she does not get annoyed at that at all. But... Watching that entrance was just really, really emotional because it was like the it was the first time that I have watched and witnessed a sporting event in Iowa that had professional teams in a game that actually mattered. Like every other time we've had major professional sports teams come to the state of Iowa, it's been preseason or an exhibition or whatever. It's never been a in middle of the season grind game it was it's never been that until last year now this year's got a little bit different feel because we had two teams that were entering the playoff race last year to now we're watching two of the worst teams in baseball in the Cincinnati Reds and the Chicago Cubs now if you want drama if you want some drama for you if the Reds win this game they're joint records they're both going to be 45 and 66 if the Reds win this win this game but if the Reds lose and the Cubs win, the Cubs have a two-game lead on the Cincinnati Reds. And I hate the Cincinnati Reds. Rivalry-wise, is this a bigger rivalry than White Sox-Yankees? In my opinion, unless I don't know of any d deep embedded history between the White Sox and the Yankees, or for keep completely forgetting about it, this is a bigger rivalry. I hate the Cincinnati Reds. 
and to beat them in the state of Iowa. I think this should be the Cubs thing every year. I did see see something that it might not come back next year due to site building or stuff like that. But the Cubs, this is they have the I Cubs, and I understand Dyersville ain't nowhere close to Des Moines. But the fact that you got the I Cubs here makes sense that you keep the Chicago Cubs in here. White Sox, Cubs, Cardinals, Cubs, hell, Yankees, Cubs, Red Sox, Cubs. Keep the don't bring the Reds back. This brings the series down. But don't bring the Reds back. But all those other stupid teams, you can bring him here. And you got a pitching duel on tonight. Pitching masterclass. So get ready for this. Okay? You got Drew Smiley. Sub four ERA. Only 15 walks. (laughs) Versus Nick Lodolo. Six foot six, big guy, four point four ERA, sub four five ERA. <laughs> Drew Smiley, more of the average human, six two one eighty eight, from Little Rock, Arkansas. Have the Cubs released the lineup yet? They have. Oh, what? Okay, I was gonna say Patrick Wisdom has to play in the Field of Dreams game. This ballpark was made for Patrick Wisdom. If you're the Cubs, you have to bring all your power hitters and start them, and that's from what I could tell, the Cubs did that. Uh, Raviel Ortega is a better power hitter than Nick Madrigal, but he ain't. He is dog shit against left-handed pitchers. <laughs> he cannot hit against lefties. But everybody else, the Cubs lineup: Madrigal, Contreras, Wisdom, Suzuki, Horner, Hap, Velasquez, Higgins, and Christopher Morel. All of them, apart from Nick Madrigal, because that's why he's leadoff spot, have hit over five home runs this year. So that's good. That's good. <laughs> that's very. That's very good. Wisdom's on twenty. Contreras is on 16. Morel's on 10. He's barely played. Suzuki's on 9. He mashed one. Moonshotted one the other day. It was beautiful. And the Reds, we got Jonathan India, who's fine. Screwed Patrick Wisdom, my rookie of the year, so screw him. Not really, but screw him. Nick Senzel, Kyle Farmer, Joey Votto will probably get a big ovation there. Donovan Solano, Albert Almora, Alberto Aquino, Aquino. Jose Barrio and Austin Romine. Ooh, we got some bitter rivalry here. Austin Romine playing against his old team. Not even Albert Almora. <laughs> no beef with Albert Almora. Albert Almora was key in the Cubs winning the 2016 World Series with his base stealing, base running. Beautiful base runs. No beef with Austin Romine, on the other hand. Ugh, I hate that guy. Play for the Cardinals. Ugh, I hate that guy. I, I don't really have anything to say about, about Austin Romine. But Jonathan India, top and bottom of their order. Get screw off for all I care. Jonathan India. Oh, you think your long hair and tattoos make you cool? Yeah, but Patrick Wisdom was a 30-year-old rookie, so you know what? I think he should win. You don't need to get good in your 20s, Jonathan. Some people take longer to develop than others. God. P. Wizzy for rookie of the year all the way. Oh, nice seven home runs. <laughs> nice 24 RBIs. Don't tell me that he's had over 100 less bats batting attempts than Patrick Wisdom. I don't care. I don't care if he was on most of the season on the IL. I don't care. We're not – I'm bringing up points that matter for my argument. Your argument about how, oh, Patrick Wisdom has 369 at-bats, oh, and uh, Jonathan India has got 225, it's not really comparable. Screw you, okay? This is my argument. RBI's home runs, stolen bases, wisdom above. Batting average don't matter. <laughs> wisdom bat. We don't need to talk about wisdom's batting average. But I am excited. I'm very, very excited. Jokes aside, I'm very excited. Granted, 
it's not going to be the most entertaining. I mean, it could be entertaining. The Cubs do have some power hitters on the roster. Like, one of the things that I'm sure a lot of people that were at the game last year, being from the state of Iowa, wanted to watch Anthony Rizzo play, but he had COVID, so he didn't play in the game last year. This will be fun. I'm really, really excited for this, especially since you look at the the Chicago, Chicago Cubs roster. Every single person that is playing, I don't know about wisdom per se. I think he had to have. But every single person on the Cubs roster has played in Iowa at some point. So, they've been to the state. Home field advantage, literally, because all of them have played here. So, this is going to be funny when the Cubs get absolutely dick slapped by nine runs tonight. So, this is <laughs> this will be very fun to listen to the next day. But if I had to make a, a score prediction, the Cubs have been pretty decent lately. They've lost a few games here and there. But, hey, they won four of their last six games. That's all that really matters. And they were close games. Close games. Do not care about what happened before that when they lost five in a row. Do not care about that. That's not important here. We're talking about the year now. We've won six out of their four of the last six against elite teams like the Nationals and Marlins. So you know what? Screw off with your hate towards the Chicago Cubs. Where did ESPN rank them in their power rankings? 24th above the Reds. That's what I freaking thought. So, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I hope you guys at least enjoyed watching. I'm going to enjoy watching it once we actually get to the game. But I'm going to go with like a – it's not. I don't think it'll be as exciting as what last year. Probably like a four-two game. Cubs. Cubs have no bullpen, so if Drew Smiley gets lit up early, <laughs> I'm pretty scared. But yeah, four to two, Chicago Cubs win. You can't. And again, it's a prediction, so you can't. You can't hate on me if it's wrong. But I can. I can tell you, I got it right when I get it right, because you know that's how it works. I host the podcast, not you. So screw off. But it's exciting. I'll never forget watching last year. It was really. I remember standing like. You know when you're a kid and you don't really have a, a grasp on what's bad for you? Like you're when you're playing video games, you're really up close to the screen or you're on your iPad or something. Or not iPad, but on your LeapFrog, your LeapPad. you got it really close to your face. you got your Nintendo DS or Game Boy. You're keeping it like three inches away from your eyes. Things like that. Like I was a little kid when I was watching the Field of Dreams game last year. I got so close to our TV and just stared at it. Blank stare. Happiest blank stare I've ever had in my entire life. It was beautiful. Even though I was watching Yankees versus the White Sox, I still thoroughly enjoyed watching the game. That game was exciting. Home runs galore in that game. I wonder, what was the score last year? I know the White Sox won, but I don't remember the score. I know Tim Anderson hit a walk-off dinger to win. 9-8. to eight. Yeah, it ain't going to be that this year. I'm sorry. It probably is not going to be that this year. But dang, Look at this. Like, Abreu homered in the first. Judge homered in the third. Jimenez homered in the third. Zavala homered in the fourth. Brett Gardner hit a home run in this game. Aaron Judge hit another homer. Stanton hit a homer. Anderson hit a homer. We had seven home runs between the two teams in this game. Seven. I don't think we're getting that tonight. I really don't. But we could. We could. Suzuki's been playing really well recently. He's hit a few dingers recently. Wisdom's always due for a dinger. Christopher Morell hasn't hit one in a little. Well, he's hit one like two or three games ago. Maybe four, three or four games ago. But he's he could he could jack some dingers now, he could jack some dingers. I did really wish I wanted I wanted to watch Anthony Rizzo play. And then we got former Iowa Cub DJ LeMahieu playing in the game last year. Former I Cub, I don't know if he actually played for the I Cubs. Did did Eloy Jimenez play for the I Cubs at all, or did he get traded before that? I don't really remember. I don't really remember if he did or not, but. Exciting stuff. Exciting stuff. This is great for the state. I'm excited whenever that MLS thing happens or you United States 
championship soccer, what the league below the US the US what is the soccer league before the below the MLS? I'm completely blank. It's got like the Phoenix Phoenix Rising in it. USL championship. Either way, I'm I'm excited for when that happens when they build the stadium because that'll be awesome for us again. We got the world's biggest or the biggest skating rink on the Western Hemisphere or something like that. I don't I think there was one in Japan that might be the biggest in the world, but we could have that, which is just really weird. The thing about what we <laughs> I grew up knowing to what it is now, we're getting actual important sporting events now. So it's cool. I'm excited for when the ever the the Des Moines team moves up to the MLS. We had the Iowa Speedway for years. We haven't got NASCAR there yet or the the Monster Cup series, Monster Energy Cup series yet, but we've got IndyCar, we've got X, uh, Xfinity, we've had the Trucks, Camping World Truck Series, we've had Motocross, which was very short-lived. We had the basically bring your own car to the track race where I saw a PT Cruiser race and it didn't do very well as you would expect, but it's exciting. It's exciting. I know Dyersville ain't Des Moines, but... Nowhere close to Des Moines, but it's still something that's getting brought to the state of Iowa, and I'm all for it. I'm always going to be for things happening in the great state of Iowa. One thing that I don't really expect, though, to happen in the great state of Iowa is get an NFL team. I don't. I think we're out of the market for the the NFL or the the NBA. I don't really feel like we're going to get those markets. Like if we were, if we had an NFL team, because I think Des Moines is bigger than Green Bay. I think. If we were going to get an NFL team, we had to be one of the founding members of the NFL. Like, <laughs> like St. Louis doesn't even have a team. Now, granted, there's left. But even before then, they had the Rams. I think they had the Cardinals there. They were There was two St. Louis Cardinals teams, okay? Before you go, that's a baseball team. There was another St. Louis Cardinals team. They bounced around all over the place. The Arizona Cardinals are one of the oldest teams in NFL history, and they've been to one Super Bowl. That team is garbage. <laughs> you want, I hate when people say this, but you want to talk about a poverty franchise – that's the Cardinals, but like there's big cities that don't have NFL teams. So if they if the big cities don't have NFL teams, there's a very low chance that Des Moines ever going to get one. But what we do have in the state of Iowa in general, and I say I'm talking about the whole state, but really, if we get an NFL team, it's going to be in Des Moines somewhere. It might technically be in Ames, but I don't know. But what we do have here in the state of Iowa, we produce really good, solid football players. We always have a way with crafting some tough-nosed cornbread Iowans that take that do really well in the NFL level. So it's kind of like we have an NFL team because you have people that don't really care about the NFL in the state of Iowa because we don't have a team, and then just cheer whoever has the most Panthers players or Hawkeye players or Cyclone players or William Penn Statesman players because they did have one. Okay, Damon Harrison played in the NFL for quite a bit. It was very, very good in the NFL. But we've had really good players. And the position that we've had the most success with, well, there's two of them, really. And that's the offensive line and the tight end position. And if you followed along with the series that we've been doing of Top 5 Friday, we have done a, a, a series of Top 5 positions. Now, I should have done the quarterbacks a little bit differently because I did it Top 5 quarterbacks all time minus Brady, Montana, and Manning. But I didn't want to do all. I shouldn't have done all time. It should have just been quarterbacks I've watched. But... Right, we did running backs I've watched, which if you needed reminding of what the running backs I watched list was, that was Ladanian Tomlinson at one, AP two, Marshall Falk three, Edron James four, and then Curtis Martin five, with honorable mentions of Sean Alexander, Frank Gore, Marshawn Lynch, LaShawn McCoy, and Chris Johnson. Then we had the top five wide receivers I've watched. And I had a problem with number five, but we settled it. 
but it was Randy Moss, T.O., Calvin Johnson, Larry Legend, Julio, mixed with Marvin Harrison, and the other honorable mentions were Andre Johnson, Steve Smith, Isaac Bruce, and Antonio Brown. And we'll get to something about Antonio Brown. Actually, no, we should get to that now because I don't really have a lot of things I want to say about it. It's just kind of funny. I got this sent to me by my friend Noah. A.B., on his own Twitter account, I if I saw this quote, this is not – I was not really planning on talking about this now, but we brought up Antonio Brown, so I feel like it's necessary to bring it up now. If I saw this, like, screens like, – this feels like a ball sack sports type post. Where if you don't know ball sack sports, they get posted everywhere because they post these quotes that aren't real, but it's, it's a comedic sports channel on Twitter – and, like, ESPN has posted, like, they had a whole segment dedicated to a fake John Morant quote about saying how he could beat Michael Jordan. And Ballsack Sport posted that, and it's like, you've been ballsacked or stuff. Like, Justin Fields had a quote that wasn't real about how he had better receivers at Ohio State, which may or may not be true, but because the Bears wider, they just named Equinomi St. Brown their number two wide receiver. That's how bad things, things are in Chicago. It's Darnell Mooney and the rest, pretty much. But if I saw this quote, I would not have believed it, that he actually said it. And the way it's tweeted, it just looks like a fake. Like, it's not even that, like, there's a picture on it, and you can see the edge. Like, if you're going to have a picture there, you either push it all the way to the edge so you can't see the edge of the paper, or you have it somewhere in the middle to where it doesn't really matter. Just make sure it's centered. This one is on the edge, as close as you can get without actually being on the edge, because you can still see the sliver of whatever the hell color, grayish, tan, white color he has on here. But this is from his actual account. Sincerely, AB. This is from his actual, actual, actual Twitter account. So here we go. My biggest regret. So you could go down a lot of different rabbit holes with this one for Antonio Brown. But my biggest regret in my career does not involve calling my GM a cracker, which is really funny and really bad at the exact same time he called Mike Mayock a cracker when he was in <laughs> when he was in Oakland or Vegas. They were in Vegas because Mike Mayock and John Gruden were there. Or showing up to Raiders camp late in a hot air balloon with frozen feet. He had a, remember he had a severe frostbite on his feet. <laughs> or throwing rocks at that UPS driver. I don't know how that can't be a regret. And it definitely does not involve taking my shirt off and doing a victory lap around the Jet Stadium mid-game while throwing up my throwing up deuces. Okay, all those very regrettable things. Didn't bring up not going to the Bills. I think that could have saved a lot of problems here. But I am very happy he did not go to the Bills. Because that would not have gotten the Bills to Stephon Dix. So, very happy that night that he was on the Bills for about an hour. It was very nice. My biggest regret is that I'll never... Actually, no, no. I want you to take a guess. If you've not seen the quote, take a guess real quick about what his biggest regret is. I think you can get it. I think you can understand if you've known AB or known about AB long enough. I think you can understand what the, the direct quote was that he has right here. My biggest regret is that I'll never get to see me, Antonio Brown, play a game live. Sure, I can watch the game afterwards, but I can't imagine what that was like for you all to see something like that. Like watching the Beatles or Jesus perform at Red Rocks. <laughs> like it doesn't even, it's not even a good closer. It just feels like there should be more after it. Like, le- like watching the Beatles or Jesus perform at Red Rocks. And I think when he's talking about, like it's, I don't know. I think it's a hilarious quote. And I know a lot of people out there have a, like the, uh, I'm worried about his mental health side of things. And I think there's some validity in that, a lot of validity in that. But when I've watched, like, athletes talk about Antonio Brown, like, LaShawn McCoy is close with Antonio Brown. Like, LaShawn McCoy goes, it's not mental, he just actually feels like that. Like, it's, 
a lot of the people that are closest to him say there's nothing really severely wrong with him. Like, I don't know if there is or not. People want to point to the Vontez perfect hit. I'm sorry, one hit like that does not make you turn from... He wasn't like this innocent guy. He still dropped... He speared a punter in the face with his cleat. I don't think he was very... If we're talking about there, I don't think he was there at that point either. <laughs> if you want to go down that rabbit hole. Is that not like he was this stand-up individual? He was a very competitive player that got drafted late, had to prove people wrong, got money. I don't think it was anything that was like, oh, he went from this to this after that hit. I think there's a lot of things that coincided after that, but I don't think it was directly involved because of that hit. It could be, but I'm not sure. Just because I listened to quotes from like it, like LaShawn McCoy was on I Am Athlete talking about Antonio Brown. It doesn't sound like he's got a lot of mental issues. I don't know. I don't know Antonio Brown. I don't know the situation forefront, but I just think the quote's kind of funny. I think it's quote. I think it's kind of funny. It's a very on-brand <laughs> quote from Antonio Brown. Like, he, he understands. I've seen an interview with him. It was like he understands that he took things for granted in Pittsburgh. Oh, this is a... <laughs> this is a every sentence here leaves you unprepared for the next sentence. Yep, it definitely does. It, you do not know what's coming. You definitely do not know what is coming when you read one quote and then go to the next one. You'd never know. You never, never know. But, man... Yeah, Antonio Brown has never been one of my favorite players. I liked watching him. Like, when he was in his prime in Pittsburgh, there are very few. I, like, I listed him in, the, like, if you're talking a top 10 out of the receivers I've watched, I have him top 10, if we're including honorable mentions in that list. I don't know where he ranks on that list, but top 10 receivers i watched in my lifetime. Like, Antonio Brown was that guy. Is he a Hall of Famer? By what I watched, yes, definitely. Will he ever get in the Hall of Fame? Probably not. Like, Terrell Owens. We talked about this last Friday. Terrell Owens has one of the greatest careers of all time in regards to wide receivers. He wasn't even a first ballot Hall of Famer. Calvin Johnson was. No disrespect to Calvin Johnson. I think he should be the first ballot Hall of Famer, but I still think T.O. should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer as well. Like, if he takes two to get in, and he did a whole lot less things than Antonio Brown did, where it was completely detrimental to people around him, like, he got in a famous feud with Donovan McNabb. He did the whole crying thing. He did the workout in the driveway. He did this, the standing on the star thing. But Antonio Brown has everything that Antonio Brown's done is below what T.O. did. Like, I think Antonio Brown's a great wide receiver and deserves the Hall of Fame. Do I think he'll ever get in? Probably not. And while we're on the topic of wide receivers, Odell Beckham Jr., if you're listening, which I know you are, you're a big-time listener, just sign the contract and go to Buffalo. Von Miller been recruiting this dude like crazy. I know he's coming off a torn ACL, but hey, I would take OBJ in a freaking heartbeat. If you honestly would not take OBJ, like people want to complain about OBJ all the time or got these drama queens, stuff like that. I do not care. Dude is a really good wide receiver. <laughs> he's, he just got stuck playing with Baker Mayfield in a latter part of his career, Eli Manning. And then he played with Matt Stafford, who was going to win Super Bowl MVP if he didn't tear his ACL. Like, OBJ, come to Buffalo. It'd be awesome. Josh going to get you the ball. Josh is going to get you the ball. I feel bad for Gabe Davis, but, hey, Gabe Davis is going to get his as well. Gabe Davis will get his as well. But I'd take OBJ in a freaking heartbeat. But now we're on the topic that I wanted to get to. So we're on tight ends now. So we're on running. We did running back, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers. Now we're on tight ends. And Iowa is known for producing tight ends. One of the things we're known for is producing tight ends. And unsurprisingly, we have two tight ends on this list, and the honorable mentions included, from the state of Iowa. 
or that went to the state of Iowa or just went to college in the state of Iowa. So at number five, it's George Kittle. I think George Kittle is one of the best tight ends I've ever watched because I don't think – when I watched him at Iowa, I never thought he would turn into the player that he is right now. I don't think any Iowa per, any Iowa fan ever, the most diehard Iowa fan, would have thought that George Kittle, who whose career high in receiving yards, would be 314 with a career high of six touchdowns. I don't think the guy that got – that guy who's drafted in the fifth round – would turn into a guy that received for 1,377 yards, which is barely below the NFL all-time record for yards in a season by tight end. I don't think anybody would have ever expected that in a million years. George Kittle has had more yards. And wait, how many? So he has 773, 734 total yards at Iowa receiving. He has had two seasons less than that. But those two seasons less than those, his career yards are both higher than his career high numbers at Iowa, where he had 314. He had 515 his rookie year, where he only started seven games, and then 634 where he only played in eight games. George Kittle, in regards to block, like, you're the best run block. You're the best blocker in the NFL. You can have an argument between for run blocking between him and Quentin Nelson. I don't really care. You're at a tight end, and we're actually having a conversation about a tight end being the best blocker running the ball in the NFL. If not one of them. You don't really have that while also being the same threat receiving the ball that George Kittle is. You don't see that. George Kittle is insane, and I never thought he'd be this player that he is. Like his second year in the league when he had 1,377 yards, he had over 1,000 yards more than his career high at Iowa. No one thought that. No one actually believed that would happen, and yet it has happened. And the rivalry between him and Travis Kelsey is insane. And for those of you who are thinking I didn't have Travis Kelsey on this list, he's number four. Travis Kelsey is insane. Travis Kelsey has had one, two, three, four, five, six straight seasons of 1,000 yards receiving. In 2020, okay, in 2020, dude had 1,416 yards receiving with 11 touchdowns. Like, Travis Kelsey, and it's not to say, like, we when we're talking about George Kittle and Travis Kelsey, it's like, oh, George Kittle shits on Travis Kelsey in the blocking category, which makes him a better tight end. Do I think right now George Kittle is a better tight end? Like, if we're talking about the current state of the NFL, do I, do I rate George Kittle higher? Probably. Probably. But George Kittle's also played a lot less time in the NFL. I think George Kittle's played five years in the NFL. Travis Kelsey had six straight 1,000-yard seasons. So it's kind of hard for me to go, yeah, all-time, George Kittle's better. George Kittle's played, yeah, five years in the league. Travis Kelsey's had six straight thousand-yard seasons. So I, it's kind of hard for me to go, yeah, all time in the Titans that I've watched, he's higher than Travis Kelsey. I can't really say that at this point. Career-wise, if we get to the end of it, maybe. But Kelsey holds the NFL record for yard for receptions. I believe it's by a tight end in the playoffs with 31 in 2020. Like Travis Kelsey is one of those dudes. And he ain't no slouch blocking either. He's not George Kittle level, but he's not a slouch blocking at all. And his two year, three years prior to that, so he played one game in 2013, in the past 2014, 2015, 862 yards, 875 yards, five touchdowns each time. Like George Kittle or Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, great tight ends. Like they're just insane. And the number four, number three on this list is one of my favorite tight ends of all. Well, obviously he's on my list, but this isn't necessarily favorite tight ends ever. This is just the best tight ends that I think that I've watched in my lifetime. 
number three is Antonio Gates. Former basketball player, played it, was going to play, tried to play both sports at Michigan State, and then Nick Saban was like, yeah, dude, you need to decide either football or basketball. He's like, well, I want to play both. Went down to Kent State, ended up playing basketball, and got a team to, uh, I think, the Sweet 16, Final Four. Elite Eight. So skip the <laughs> the one in between those ones, the Elite Eight. But Antonio Gates and Phillip Rivers is one of the best one-two passing combinations in NFL history. The number of touchdowns those two have together. What is the number of touchdowns, Phillip Rivers and Antonio Gates' touchdown numbers? Trying to get this record. Six, 116 receiving touchdowns. The be- That is the best quarterback-tight end combo in NFL history. I know we're going to talk about somebody later in this list that you could make an argument for as well, but, Cal- but Gates and Rivers, man, they were awesome together. No one, like, other than Kellen Winslow back in the 80s, 70s and 80s, you didn't have tight ends like Antonio Gates that were athlete first and then tight end. Like, Antonio Gates went from not playing ba- playing football to in his second year in league having almost 1,000 yards, having 13 touchdowns, which is a career high. He holds the all-time record for touchdowns, career touchdowns by tight end with 116, so he only played with Phillip Rivers. Like, it's two seasons of 1,000-plus yards receiving, a few seasons over 900, a few seasons over 800. Like, Antonio Gates was that guy. He battled some injuries, turf toe famously towards the end of his career, but Antonio Gates was that guy. He was that guy. Uh, number two on this list, I don't really think it's any surprise to who are the top two guys, and I don't really think there should be an argument at this point who's number one. Like, they're, they're, okay, there's you can make a decent argument for either one. I, it's Tony Gonzalez, I have a number two. Tony Gonzalez holds the all-time record for receptions by tight end and receiving yards. 15,000 receiving yards. 1,325 receptions. He led the league with 102 receptions in 2004. Had multiple 1,000-plus yard seasons. Has five less touchdowns than Antonio Gates. In more years played. But five less touchdowns. Playing Kansas City and Atlanta. Played very well until the very end. Missed consistent. Never missed, apart from his rookie year, in one game. No, not even his rookie year. He missed one game. He played 270 games. Okay, he missed... Wait, hold on. Okay, two games. He missed two games in his entire career. One in 99, and then one in 2006. 2006. I hated Tony Gonzalez because he played for the Chiefs, and I hated him when he was on the Falcons because my uncle's a Falcons fan, so I had to hear about him all the time. But Tony Gonzalez is definitely number one or two, and the number one, I don't really think there's any surprise who's number one, but I have Rob Gronkowski. Rob Gronkowski speared Trey White when I was in Buffalo watching the game. And you can make a solid argument that this, him and Brady is the greatest tight end quarterback combo in NFL history. But it's like Gronk was a ridiculous. Like he was a ridiculous. If he could just stay healthy, dude would have had every single tight end record. Every single one. If he just stayed healthy. And the crazy thing about Gronk, he didn't even play that long in comparison. Tony Gonzalez played from 1997 to 2000 and what? what did, I just had it up. Why did I get rid of it so fast? 97 to 2013. Gronk played from 2010 to 2021. <laughs> he played 11 years in the NFL and missed multiple games throughout that time frame. Multiple. Tony Gonzalez appeared in 100 
and what's the quick math here? 128 more games than Rob Gronkowski. 128. It might be 138. I'm just not really bothered to do the math. <laughs> it's 128. Then Gronk did. And Gronk broke the record for touchdowns by a tight end in 2011. His second year in the league, he had 17. Had four seasons of over 1,000 yards receiving. Like, Gronk was that dude. Gronk, best run-blocking tight end in NFL history. One of the best receiving tight ends in NFL history. Didn't do anything, like, sexy or anything on the football field. Wasn't the fastest. But that dude would beat you up. Beat you up. But he holds the record for postseason uh, starts by a tight end, receptions by a tight end, yards by a tight end, and touchdowns by a tight end. He led the league three different times in receiving touchdowns. Three, He scored three-plus touchdowns. Three touchdowns in four postseasons. Like, Gronk is the greatest tight end of all time. And I I understand arguments for Tony Gonzalez, but it's Gronk. It's Rob Gronkowski. So that's my top five. Gronk, Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle. This is all tight ends that I've watched. That I've watched. Honorable mentions. And there's a plenty that I could have mentioned in here that I did not get to because I only put five honorable mentions. Prime Jimmy Graham was awesome. People might forget about prime Jimmy Graham when he came from Miami. People were comparing him to uh, Antonio Gates when he first broke onto the scene. Athletic freak. Athletic freak. Just absolutely insane at his peak. Thirteen on his, first, his second year in New Orleans was ridiculous. In his second, his second to last year in New Orleans, ridiculous. Had 16 receiving touchdowns. Like, Jimmy Graham was awesome. For a short period of time, he was dominant. He played quite a long time, or comparatively, he played a decent amount of years. 2010 to 20, no. Yeah, 2010 to 2021, like Gronk. Played more games than Gronk. Played about 40 more, 40 plus more games than Gronk did. But he was awesome. Jason Witten's up there. I never really liked Jason Witten, but Jason Witten was tough SOB. There's that famous clip of Jason Witten running down the field with his helmet off. Really awesome clip of Jason Witten. Played for a very long time. Should never have gone with the Raiders. Should have never done that. Number three, we talked about Iowa Titans. We got Dallas Clark in there. Had to put Dallas Clark in there. If you didn't know or you didn't think that I was going to throw Dallas Clark in a list of tight ends that I've watched, you're crazy. Peyton Manning loved himself from Dallas Clark. The Colts had one of the best trios in NFL history. He had Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, Dallas Clark. And we're not even talking about Edge at running back. With Peyton Manning at quarterback, Jeff Saturday at center. We're not even talking about Brandon Stokely out at the slot. Like, they had a great set of wideouts. Great set. Like, Dallas Clark, awesome tight end. Awesome tight end. Played 10 years in the league. Should have never left Indianapolis, but did. Sort of teetered out towards the end. Battled some injuries towards the end of his career. Didn't do a whole lot after 2009 where he had 1,000 yards receiving, 1,100 yards receiving with 10 touchdowns. But Dallas Clark was awesome. We have Greg Olson in there. Greg Olson and Cam Newton together was a very, very fun partnership. Very, very fun partnership. And if you've watched any of the the U documentaries, 30 for 30s, you can hear Greg Olson rap. I don't really remember which one it is, but it's really funny. He had three straight th- seasons of 1,000 yards receiving, then battled some injuries, but had some really nice years in the NFL. Most notably in Carolina, never had less than 1,000 never Apart from his final years where he was battling some injuries, when he played all 16 games, dude never had less than 800 yards receiving. George, Greg Olson... Was awesome. And then the last one's Mark Andrews. There's other tight like Heath Miller could be mentioned in there. Uh, Brandon Maniayula could be mentioned in there. I think Vernon Davis could be mentioned in there for the Mike Singletary quote alone. Vernon Davis could be mentioned in here. 
the crying over the draft and everything. There's a lot of really good tight ends we can mention on here. But Mark Andrews, for what he did last year and how important he is to the Ravens' offense, like he is the only reliable receiver Lamar Jackson has. The only one. And he was a third-round draft pick. But Mark Andrews is that dude. Mark Andrews had 1,300 yards receiving last year. Mark Andrews is a very, very good tight end. There's other – you might think I'm ranking him too high, putting him in the honorable mentions. But Mark Andrews, there's been times where he's looked unstoppable. There's been a few times he's looked unstoppable in the NFL. So I I feel really good about having him in the honorable mentions list. So here's the top five again with honorable mentions. The honorable mentions aren't in any order. That's not the order that I'd rank him in. It's just the order that I they popped in my head. It's what you could say is that's the order because you should think of the person that's best, number one, number two, like all that stuff. But no, that's like I didn't think – surprisingly, Gronk escaped my mind until I got to number three. I was like, oh, wait, Gronk is uh, – why do I have Gronk so low on the list? I had Tony Gonzalez and Antonio Gates on there, and I started typing. I was like, oh, crap, nope. He number one. So Gronk's at one, Tony Gonzalez two, Gates three, Kelsey four, Kittle five, and then all of them mentioned Jimmy Graham, Jason Winton, Dallas Clark – Greg Olson, and Marky Mark Andrews. Tight ends are fun. I'm really excited to do the tackles list because there's been some really good tackles in my lifetime. Like some of the best tackles in NFL history have all existed since I've been alive. And that's really cool. There's a lot of really, really good tackles. There's some good tackles in the 90s and like early 90s and the 80s and stuff like that in the 70s. But big, meaty off to tackles where you started getting really athletic tackles. Like there's a few of them that are playing in there right now. Like, Trent Williams is the first ever off to lineman to get a 99 overall rating in Madden. Like, Trent Williams is that guy. I'm not telling you where I'm going to rank him because we got to obviously get to that point. But, man, that dude is a freaking monster, Trent Williams. Oh. But the tight ends are going to be nice. The tight ends are, there's some decent, decent, decent tight ends in next year's draft. Like, 2023 NFL draft, like, Michael Mayer is going to be the big one in there. So if you want to look out for tight ends this year, Michael Mayer, he's Baby Gronk. That's his nickname. He even wears number 87. Could be a 1,000-yard receiver this year because Notre Dame don't really have a lot of options for their first-year starting quarterback to use. Then we have Gene Bell from South Carolina, Eric Gilbert, more of an H-back type guy. Sam Laporta, we talk about Iowa dudes. Sam Laporta's up there. Jaleel Billingsley, more of a receiving tight end. Then we got Cameron Latu, Latu from Alabama, Dalton Kincaid, Will Mallory, Eric All, Darnell Washington, there's some good Noah Gindorf from North Coast State, Josh Willie, Wiley. We got some good tight ends. We got some good tight ends around in college football this year. And I saw an ESPN thing earlier today. I don't know when this got posted, but it was by Matt Miller, who used to be on Bleach Report, then did his own thing. Now he's a correspondent for ESPN. Him and Jordan Reed are kind of the B side, just John, Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper's A side type thing. But they did a, he did a list of the top prospects for all the Power Five conference schools. There's a lot of good players that are in this Power 5 conference thing. So, I I mean, as you would assume, as you would assume, but there's some on here that I agree with, so we're not going to talk about the ones I really agree with unless I go, yep, or nope. Like, we'll go over that. Some of the players I'm not really familiar with because they're not on the top schools or some of those players that are on, like, bad, bad teams, like Duke, players like that on Duke, players on Vanderbilt. I'm sorry, but that's just how it works. But here we go. Starting off with the ACC, he has Zay Flowers. I think the only other one you can mention here is Phil Yurkovic. Zay Flowers is a wide receiver. I like Zay Flowers. I like Zay Flowers. 5'10", 172, speedster is what we call him. So Phil Yurkovic or Zay Flowers for Boston College. Clemson's Trenton Simpson, yeah, best linebacker in the draft. More of an outside guy. So when you look at him and Noah Sewell from Oregon, who I'm sure is going to be on this list later, 
Uh, Noah Sewell is the more prototypical inside linebacker where Trenton Simpson can play inside, but he's more suited to not, I'm not saying like a 4-3 outside linebacker, but if we're talking about like a, a Will or Sam linebacker or something like that. Like a three, a 4-3 outside linebacker relatively than a, a an outside pass rusher. I got Duke, RJ Oban. Akeem Dent from Florida State. I like Akeem Dent. Robert Scott is a tackle from Florida State that I really like as well. So those are two players you could look at there. You got Travis Jordan, or what's his name? Jordan Travis that should be coming out in a few years. Next year, maybe. We'll see how he does this year. But yeah, I think it's one of those two. Akeem Dent, one of the top stations in the draft. So yeah, you would expect him or Scott to be one of the top guys there. So after Florida State, obviously, I think he's just going in order. I don't really know if they're... uh, It's got to be alphabetical order, right? We got Charlie Thomas from Georgia Tech, linebacker. You got Sims, the quarterback, but that's probably the only other option here. Georgia Tech... Not really the greatest football team. They did have Jameer Gibbs. They did have Jameer Gibbs, but uh, he transferred to Alabama. So if it was a normal circumstance, Jameer Gibbs did not transfer, it would be Jameer Gibbs by a pretty wide margin. Jameer Gibbs, very talented, very, very talented running back, and should put up really, really nice numbers at Alabama. Alabama got a lot of transfers this year. They got a transfer. They got Burton, the wide receiver from Georgia. Tyler Harrell, who's going to be really exciting. One would expect Tyler Harrell to be exciting anyways. Fill that Jamison Williams role in the offense, change from Louisville. Like, Alabama going to be fine. This is the thing. When you have, when you lose five stars, you got five stars waiting in the rings. Or if it's in the transfer portal era, in the NIL era, you can get players over to you pretty easily, especially when they're coming from, quote-unquote, smaller schools like Georgia Tech, Louisville. Not Georgia, but, like, schools like that. For Bryce Young, it's going to be a fun season. I'm, I'm excited to see what they do with this new offense they have here. Or new offense, new-ish offense with new-ish weapons. Louisville... Malik Cunningham, yeah. Malik Cunningham's a baller. If you don't, if you never watch Malik Cunningham, I would recommend you watch him. He's not your prototypical passing quarterback, but dude can run the crap out of the football. He can run the he can run the crap out of the football. Now, he does a really good job at avoiding turnovers in regards to the last season, anyways. And I think this could be a hot take. If we're talking about hot takes again, like we did Wednesday. I think there is a realistic shot given his running and passing ability and his ability to put up big numbers in a weaker ACC than what we're used to with Pitt's, Pitt's going to be down this year. You would expect. They do have a lot of players returning. They do have some good players returning, but losing Kenny Pick and Jordan Addison is big. We'll see how they do. Pat Narduzzi's got a good group of players there with Kenny Pick, with Kenny, Keaton Slovis coming in. But... Clemson, maybe they're better than what they were last year, but Malik Cunningham, I think, can make some noise this year. Miami, Tyler Van Dyke, yeah. Yeah, we brought Mil- Will Mallory as well, the tight end. He's going to be someone you can mention up there. You got Zion Nelson as well for the tackle. Those are other players you can mention, but yeah, the main, main dog is Tyler Van Dyke. It's obviously Tyler Van Dyke. It's always been Tyler Van Dyke. It's like the like that the astronaut meme where they're staring off in the world. It's always been this. Always, ha- It's it's all cheese. Always has been. I don't know. That's just I don't know why that was the first example I had, but but yeah, one of those three, but Tyler Van Dyke is the main guy there. North Carolina, Josh Downs, yeah. Speedy wide receiver. Yeah, I'm fine with that. They don't really have a lot of other things offering for him. They lost their running back. They lost their quarterback. I'm intrigued to see how May does this year in his first year as a starting quarterback in North Carolina. Sam Howell's been there for the past three years. Had some success early and then lost all four of his top dogs and had a little bit of a down year in regards to passing the ball. Running the ball is way up, but in regards to passing the ball, a little bit of a down year for him in comparison to his other years. But yeah, Josh Downs, I don't know if he'll be a first-rounder, but he definitely has the potential 
to become a first round draft pick this year. Time will tell because there's a good as, as I mean, this is how we're going to all be now. We got a good group of wide receivers coming in, so we'll have to see. NC State, Devin Leary, yeah, left handed quarterback too, but Devin Leary is good. Devin Leary is good. Is there any other players from NC State that could really, really mention? I mean, we had Iki Aquanu last year, but that's not a. That's not this year. I don't really think we have anybody worth 100% noting at this point. Don, I could I could be completely forgetting somebody. Like they had Zonovan Knight as well last year. But I think the, the only guy you can really bring up is Devin Leary. Devin Leary. Then we got Michael Mayer from Notre Dame. We already talked about him. Habakkuk Balando. Bal, Baldonado. Edge rusher from Pittsburgh. Yeah. Again, Jordan Addison transfer. Kenny Pickett's gone. You got Keenan Slovis there as well. Keenan Slovis is trying to regain his draft stock. Keenan Slovis lost all of his draft stock over the past two years because he messed up his shoulder against Iowa. Like, he's been really down. Really, really down. And Pitt, we'll see how they do this year. Again, they don't really have a lot, but Baldonado is their main guy. He's by far their best player on the roster right now. We'll see how they do masking the without Jordan Addison. Maybe that opens up more opportunities for more people. I mean, that's all it can really do, you'd imagine, right? That's what they're hoping, anyways. That's what we're hoping. Syracuse, this is an interesting one. Sean Tucker, running back. I, I, it's it's between two people because again, Syracuse is not very good. You got him and Garrett Williams, the cornerback. I personally have Garrett Williams higher on my list, not by a lot because Sean Tucker is a very nice running back. But I, I have Garrett Williams higher. I do have Garrett Williams higher. John, Sean. Sean Tucker had a really good year last year. 1,400 yards, basically 1,500 yards, 12 touchdowns. Like, nothing, no disrespect to Sean Tucker at all. So, Syracuse has a nice little tradition of running backs. Not, not recently, but in the, in the past, you've got Ernie Davis. You've got Floyd Little. Like, you have some good running backs go through Syracuse. Jim Brown, like, got some good running backs through there, but not recently, really. Not really recently. <laughs> Virginia, Brendan Armstrong, yeah, another lefty. Virginia is so heavily reliant on Brendan Armstrong, it's kind of sad at times. Like, they they are really, really one-dimensional when it comes to their offense. Even de- Their defense stinks. Their defense freaking reeks. And I don't know what else they even really have for Brennan Armstrong this year. Like, <laughs> Datavion Wicks at wide receiver is probably the next best option here. Unless I'm completely forgetting about another person, but Brennan Armstrong is definitely the main guy. Definitely, definitely, definitely the main guy. Georgia, Virginia Tech, Dorian Strong. Yeah, I <laughs> don't really have... I don't really have another option. I don't really know a lot about Virginia Tech going into the season. So that's another team I need to do research on. I'm sorry. So Duke and Virginia Tech, top two teams that I'll need to do more inter- more research on. Again, unless I'm completely blanking on somebody, which all could happen. It could really happen that I just completely forget about somebody. It happens all the freaking time. You wouldn't think so given how cool I am and stuff like that. Uh, Ver- Wake Forest, Sam Hartman, he's hurt. Sam Hartman's hurt right now, so that's going to be very, very interesting because he'll miss an extended period of time due to a non-football-related medical issue. I saw that yesterday. Like, Sam Hartman is a good quarterback. Sam Hartman's a very talented quarterback. Do I rank him particularly high in regards to his NFL status? I mean, not really, but he could. He If, if it wasn't for this, he could have pushed himself up there because past the top five, I think the top five's locked in. At this point in time, I think there should be no debate on who's in the top five. And no early, really, any order. Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, and Tyler Van Dyke. I think past those five, it's fair game on what other quarterbacks you want to rank there. Like, I think uh, Rattler's going to be there. Tanner McKee's going to be there. Hartman's going to be mentioned there. you got the BYU, Jaron Hall from BYU. You've got, 
what other quarterbacks? Uh, Cameron Ward from Washington State should be very interesting to watch. Grace McCall from Coast Carolina. There's other quarterbacks I'm completely forget. Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. There's KJ Jefferson from Arkansas. There's good quarterbacks, but really fair game. Devin Leary, we mentioned before. But yeah, Sam Hartman is the main guy for Wake Forest. Going into the season, you would hope that he's healthy. I hope that he gets back soon. But A.T. AT Perry is probably the next best guy on here if we're talking about best prospects at Wake Forest. Uh, Fighting Illini is Chase Brown. Illinois, they had a Kirby Joseph last year. And Kirby Joseph is a pretty solid safety. He would easily be the number one guy if we were talking about last year. But right now, Illinois is going to be they're gonna be down bad this year. They did get the Syracuse transfer. What's his name? Um, What is his name? I'm... Comp- uh, da, 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 what is his freaking name? What's his name? Someone, what's his name? Someone threw out his name. Remember that you got to know SpongeBob references. But yeah, Chase Brown, thousand yard rusher last year. Ten, Illinois is not gonna be very good. Let's just put like, Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> all in all, Illinois is gonna be pretty pretty bad. It'd be pretty bad. <laughs> Indiana, Taiwan, Mullen corner sure again <laughs> don't really know a lot of Indiana players I don't I'm sorry there's some there's got to be someone there right they were terrible last year but Michael Penix battled injuries that I don't know they're pretty bad Iowa Jack Campbell yeah him or Sam Laporta it, Justin Jacobs is going to be in there as well the other linebacker I think Riley Moss should get mentioned in there a little bit no one particularly from the offensive side of things apart from Laporta. Unless, uh, am I completely forgetting about an offensive player apart from Laporta? I don't think so. But, yeah, yeah, Jack Campbell had 143 tackles last year. He was top three in tackles last year. He has to be the number one guy for Iowa going into the season. But I think Sam Laporta is right behind him. With Iowa's history of, of tight ends in the NFL, I think a lot of people rank Sam Laporta fairly highly. Especially when you look at what George Kittle did at Iowa. Sam Laporta hasn't really he's on the similar he's had better numbers at Iowa than George Kittle has. Like he had 670 yards last year receiving. George Kittle never had over 400 yards receiving at Iowa. So I think Sam Laporta is definitely up there. I think they're both top three in their respective positions, linebacker and tight end. So we'll see how that goes from Maryland has two very nice wide receivers. They have they have Dante Demas Jr. and they have Rakeem Jarrett. Now, I don't remember which one it was. One of them is coming off a nasty leg break that they had against Iowa. Or right, with a knee injury, whatever. But that's Dante Demas. Had a very bad knee injury last year. But he's good. The Maryland's a very, very high-flying offense. You saw that last year where people were talking about Maryland's offense versus Iowa's defense. You had Tuali Tagovailoa. You had Demas. You had uh, Jarrett. You had some really talented pieces on offense. So when you look at Maryland... Your number one thing you prepare for is the web, the passing game. That's it. Maryland's an extremely one-dimensional football team. Their defense isn't that amazing. But, yeah, stop the receivers, and you'll pretty much halt or tag Viola in that sense. Michigan, he has Ronnie Bell, but I think Eric All is another player that you can mention up there. There's a center from Michigan as well. I cannot say his name. I cannot say his name. I apologize, and I don't really want really to butcher it. Oluwatimi is the center. That's his last name. I don't know how to say his first name, but he's another player you could definitely mention up there. I think Eric All and Atimi, Oluwatimi are two guys you'd probably rank higher. He has uh, Ronnie Bell, wide receiver. Michigan's pass game is not great. It's not great. And you look at what the quarterback situation is 
When you have Cade McNamara, you have J.J. McCarthy, it's not great. So when you have quarterbacks that are lacking in overall quarterbacking ability, and this is weird for me, I'm not saying that I'd be better than it or anything, because I wouldn't be at all. You, you're going to use the tight ends. They're going to use Blake Corm a lot as well. So I don't necessarily, I could be wrong, but I don't necessarily think a wide receiver is going to be Michigan's number one guy this year. I think it's going to be a tight end, off to the center, or even Blake Corm. I like Blake Corm quite a bit. So we'll see how this one goes. But Ronnie Bell's coming off a knee injury. So we'll see how he does. Or Ronnie, yeah, Ronnie Bell. Ronnie Bell. I don't know what name I said, but Ronnie Bell. Ronnie Bell. Michigan State has Jacob Slade. They don't have Kenneth Walker. Obviously, it was their entire offense last year. Now, they do have Jalen Berger, who's going to try and replace the the impact, I guess you could call, what Kenneth Walker did last year. But yeah, Slade, defensive tackle, fifth-year senior, 6'4", 315 pounds. Yeah, I think it's probably your best option here. Michigan State was not great, borderline terrible on the defensive side of the ball last year. You saw the game against Ohio State. When you have a team, and we brought this up before they played, when you have a team like Michigan State, who is a run-heavy team with no semblance of a defense, and you're playing a team that has a solid defense with an insane passing game with three elite weapons out wide, an elite running back, and an elite quarterback. You are going to get annihilated. They, they could not keep up. Peyton Thorne could not keep up with C.J. Stroud. Nothing Michigan State did on offense was enough to get – because Ohio State knew going into the game they had to stop one thing. And when you have Ohio State, when you have a player players around you that are as good as what Ohio State has, you can afford to focus on one and only thing, and that's stopping the run. And you can't do that, you can't beat Michigan State. But if you do that, you're gonna destroy them, especially when you have a really good pass attack. Like it's it was over and done with. So Michigan State definitely needs to improve on the defensive side of the ball. Minnesota, John Michael Schmitz, yeah, one of the best centers in college football. Makes sense. Nebraska, Casey Thompson. Ugh, that's sad. <laughs> that's sad. <laughs> they had Jurgens last year at center. He got drafted in the second round. I don't know what other players Nebraska really has. Like Casey Thompson would have been the first player I thought of, but that's really sad that he's their number one guy. They had Cam Britt Taylor last year, or this past draft, I guess. So, yeah, I guess their two best players are gone. <laughs> are gone. <laughs> so I guess it is Casey Thompson, which is sad. Northwestern, Peter Skaronsky, yeah. One of the, if not, 1A to 1B to Paris Johnson in the tackle spot for the NFL draft next year. I think it's those two and then the rest. It's a pretty wide gap between those two and the rest of them at this point in time. Skaronsky's very smart, can play guard if need be. Not necessarily the biggest, only 6'4", but very smart, very physical off the lineman, very similar to that of Sean Slayer. He's not the biggest, but he ain't ever going to get beat. Ain't ever going to get beat. Ohio State, C.J. Stroud, yeah. It's either him or Jackson Smith and Jigba. You have other good player. We brought Paris Johnson. Like, there are other good players on Ohio State. Like, Dewan Jones. You've got freaking um, Harrison, the edge rusher. What's his first? Zach Harrison. Like, you've got good players on this team, but the main guy is C.J. Stroud. The most important position on the football field is the starting quarterback. And when your starting quarterback is as good as what C.J. Stroud is, it doesn't matter how good the other positions are, like Jackson Smith and Jigba, top five player. Doesn't matter. C.J. Stroud is top three player. So he's going to be C.J. Stroud all day, every day. Then you got Penn State, Joey Porter Jr. Yeah, big corner. Six foot two, physical corner, big physical corner. And that's a theme you can have in some of these corners in this draft. There's a lot of big corners here. There's a lot of pretty decently sized corners in this draft. Purdue, Aiden O'Connell, I guess. 
I guess. They got Charlie Jones. <laughs> they got Tyrone Tracy, two former Iowa guys. So, uh, <laughs> we'll see how he – but, yeah, Aiden O'Connell's probably like, – they lost uh, George Karlaftis last year. Aiden O'Connell's definitely the dude for them this year. Rutgers, Avery Young, corner safety hybrid. Yeah, Rutgers don't really have a lot going for them, but Avery Young's really good. Uh, Wisconsin, Nick, Head, Nick Herbig. It's Wisconsin linebackers. Wisconsin always has a decent linebacker core. They always have a decent linebacker. They always have a decent running back, and they always have a decent offensive line. Consistent of Wisconsin. That's pretty much all it is for Wisconsin. Those those three things. You don't really have need to have anything else. But this year, Wisconsin regards the draft prospects. That's pretty much Herbig's all they really got. We're trying to move a little bit faster here. Baylor Sakai Ika, monster, monster, monster. Six foot four, three hundred fifty pounds. Like he is a. Big, big boy. Still for, managed to get four sacks last year at 350 pounds. That was one of the things that struggled, people struggled with Jordan Davis last year, that he doesn't get to the quarterback. Jordan Davis got double teamed so much, allowed other people to get to the quarterback. People can't double team Sakai, Sakai, jeez, Sakai He dominates everybody he goes against. Everybody. Uh, Iowa State, Will McDonald, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they don't have Brees Hall. They don't have Mike Rose. They don't have all these players anymore. I mean, Xavier Hutchinson could be mentioned up here as well. But Will McDonald's about to break the all-time record for sacks in Big 12 history. At least that's what I saw on Twitter. Could be wrong. But I think if we're talking about players that could break the Iowa State curse of not getting drafted in the first round, it's definitely Will McDonald. They don't really have any, at least the one, again, Xavier Hutchinson's the first one I could think of, top, top draft prospects. Jareel Brock could be interesting this year. Nice little scat back. Scat back, I could, well, hold on. Hold on. Now I might have cocked myself here hold on give me a couple okay no he's not a scat back I was I don't know why I was picturing that I right after I said it I knew it was wrong so I don't know why I went on and kept saying it but yeah it's definitely Will McDonald definitely Will McDonald Kenny Logan Jr. safety from Kansas yeah it's Kansas (laughs) uh Kansas State Felix and Aduke Uzama oh Uzoama jeez Uzoma jeez and Duke Uzoma yes Yes, Deuce Vaughn at running back. Now, that's a scat. Deuce Vaughn's like 5'6". So, there's there's your scat back for you. But, and Enuduke Uzoma, yeah. One of the best edge rushers in this class. I think I have a number 6. I think I have a number at 6. Number at 6. Number 6 on my rankings. Oklahoma, Anton Harrison off to tackle. Yeah, he's in that conversation, one of the top tackles in this draft. But, again, after Skaronsky and Johnson, it's a pretty steep drop-off. Like we brought up Robert Scott earlier. He's going to be one of those players mentioned. We brought up Zion Williamson. He's going to be one of those mentions. Blake Freeland from BYU is going to be mentioned up here. He's not going to be mentioned on this because BYU is not technically in the Big 12 yet. But Anton Harrison is definitely going to be up there. I think Dylan Gabriel could put up some decent numbers. I think Marvin Mims is another guy that could be mentioned up there with the top players in the draft. Eric Gray is a decent running back. Oklahoma, their main thing is on offense. Oklahoma is an offensive team. Even though they got Brent Venables in who's a defensive guy, Oklahoma – as far as I can remember, it's always been offensive school. Offensive guys. But yeah, Anton Harrison's that number one guy right now. Uh, Oklahoma State, Tyler Lacey, edge rusher. Kind of going a little bit faster. We got TCU, Ty Barber, cor- uh, receiver. I, I don't know. I think it's Quentin Johnston, the other wide receiver. Quentin Johnston's a bigger wide receiver. He didn't even mention Quentin Johnston on here. Now, Ty, Ty Barber is a smaller wide receiver. He's 5'9", about 180. Quentin Johnson, about six foot four, 220 pounds. He's a freaking monster. I would definitely put Quentin Johnson as number one here. Definitely. Texas, B. John Robinson. Yeah, not even close. Not even worth really explaining <laughs> at this point. Texas Tech, Tyree Wilson. We got Ty J. 
Taj, Taj Alston, jeez, from West Virginia, Arizona, Jacob Cowing, Arizona State, Merlin Robertson, linebacker. We got defense tackle Brett John from Cal. R.J. Sneen from Colorado, Noah Sewell from Oregon. Yeah, makes sense. Omar Spates from Oregon State. Kelly Kai Blue Kelly, very talented corner from Stanford. Tanner McKee will be the other one mentioned up there, obviously. We brought him up earlier. But Kai Blue Kelly, beast corner. Zach Charbonnet from UCLA. Yeah, really like Zach Charbonnet. DTR, I think, should get mentioned a little bit up here. I don't know where he'll get drafted, but DTR is a beast. Uh, Jordan Addison from USC. Yeah, Caleb Williams will be this next year, so it's fine. Dalton Kincaid, we brought him up earlier when talking about the tight ends. Uh, Cam Rising, the quarterback. I don't know where Cam Rising will go. I didn't have him in my top 10, but you can see the how the offense changed when Cam Rising was implemented as the starting quarterback for Utah last year. You could see the direct change that it had, but Dalton Kincaid's their main guy. Jackson Kirkland struggled last year, struggled the year before, but talented. Monster dude. Hasn't really given him a ton of sacks, but he went from a first-round draft pick possibly to a more than likely fourth-round draft pick. Maybe creeping into the third round at this point in time. So that's probably be it right there for that, for Kirkland. I do like Kirkland. I do. He's on the smaller side in regards to weight. He's about 6'7", about 290. I don't know what did that what is that what he weighed last year. 310 is what they list him as, but that could be wrong. He was 290 pounds. Well, obviously, he was at some point because he's at 310. You can't really not be. He had to pass through 190 at one, 290 at one point. Uh, Washington State, Ron Stone Jr., the defensive end. I think, again, Cam Ward's got to be mentioned up here. I'm really excited to see what Cam Ward does. I'm really excited to see it. He transferred Incarnate Word. Washington State, famously passing offense, heavy passing offense. I think Cam Ward fit that perfectly. Washington, they got Michael Penix from Indiana. Arizona State got freaking Emory Jones from Florida. Like, there's some good transfer quarterbacks. We got USC with Caleb Williams. Bo Nix went to Oregon. Any other transfers that I'm forgetting about right now? I think Arizona got a transfer quarterback. I think, like, a lot of good transfers. UCLA almost got Dylan Gabriel, but then DTR was like, yeah, I'm coming back. So, like, okay, you're going to Oklahoma now, which could help his career a little bit more playing for Oklahoma than UCLA, but who knows. Alabama, I mean, it's Will Anderson, yeah. He's the best player in the draft. Bryce Young's not far behind him. And, again, we brought up Tyler Harrell. We got Deontay Burton there as well. Or Jermaine Burton, sorry, not Deontay Burton. Jermaine Burton. And Alabama's always going to have good offensive linemen as well. It's just an Alabama thing. They're going to have good players just pretty much all the way around. Emil Ecorce, the guard. Javion Cohen's there as well. Or Ecorce is the center. One of them's the center. Ecorce or Cohen's the center. I don't remember which one's the center. I'm sorry about that. But it's Alabama. Alabama will always have good players. Byron Young's still there. DJ Dale's still there. I mean, at corner, Eli Ricks. We didn't even bring up Eli Ricks. They got a threesome at safety. Jordan Battle, Malachi Moore, and Brian Branch. Like, good Lord, it's Alabama. You could pick any player on this list. Henry Totoa is there as well. Any player you could go with in Alabama, and you go like, oh, yeah, Jameer Gibbs. Everybody go, oh, yeah, he's going to get a first-round draft pick or could be a first-round draft pick. It's it, But if we're talking about top, top guys is Anderson or Young, obviously. This is a t- <laughs> Anderson got screwed on not even going to New York, and Bryce Young won the Heisman, so it's one of those two. Arkansas, Jalen Catalan, yeah. Yeah, it's Jalen Catalan. He bounced some injuries last year, but Jalen Catalan is very good. Very good safety. One of the top dudes in this draft. Watch his game against Matt Corral two years ago. <laughs> it's a pretty fun game. But Catalan, yeah. Arkansas brought K.J. Jefferson before. Is there any other players I'm really – they had Traylon Burks last year. I think Catalan could be a real shot to be a first-round draft pick. Auburn, Colby Wooden. They got some good linebackers, Oregon. Or Oregon, Auburn. Auburn's got some pretty nice – Owen Popo is the player that I would originally – Eugene Asante is also going to be mentioned up there. 
I would put Popo probably number one. They also got their quarterback just got arrested a few, a few days ago. I'm not sure for what. I don't really remember for what, but Popo's probably the first guy I would mention. Not any disrespect to Colby Wooden, but six foot five, two hundred eighty four pounds, sixty one tackles last year with five sacks. Yeah, it makes sense. Florida Anthony Richardson. Yeah, I like I like Anthony Richard a lot. We're talking about talented out of the top five. It's hard not to say he's up, not he, you. You can make an argument that he's up there with Young and C.J. Stroud in regards to talent. He just needs the opportunities. Like if he didn't get hurt or got a concussion against USF when he ran for over 100 yards on him, when Emory Jones looked like complete crap against a really bad South Florida team, and they ended up winning by a lot of points, but Emory Jones threw two terrible interceptions. If he didn't get a concussion, Emory Jones would have never saw the field the rest of the year. If he did, it would have been in the Anthony Richardson role when Emory Jones was playing. That's why Emory Jones transferred, because I think you can see the writing on the wall. Anthony Richardson is better than Emory. I like Emory Jones, but Anthony Richardson is better. Jervon Dexter... Defensive tackle, he's going to be mentioned up there as well. Georgia, Jalen Carter, yeah. Jalen Carter's a beast. Jalen Carter's an absolute beast. He also got Keely Ringo at a corner. Uh, who else is Georgia? They have other players that I'm just completely blanking on. Uh, Nolan Smith, another player you could put up there. It's Georgia. We got Eric Gilbert. We talked about him earlier. We got Darnell Washington. We got Bowen Bowers. We've got freaking Broderick Jones. We've got all these different players you could mention with Georgia. But yeah, Jalen Carter, defensive line, that thing is insane. Georgia's defensive line is insane. Kentucky, Will Levis, yeah, not really a lot to talk about there. LSU, Kayshawn Butte, yeah. Allie Gay, B.J. Ojolari, other people. you could Ojolari more than Gay, but Butte is a freaking baller. He'll put up some insane numbers this year with freaking Jaden Daniels at quarterback. Hopefully Jaden Daniels can remember how to throw the ball because he could not really do that that well last year. Ran the ball pretty well, but throwing the ball was a little bit up and down. Zach Evans, the greatest TCU running back of all time, transferred to Ole Miss. Greater than Danian Tomlinson, who you, who even is that guy? But Zach Evans, yeah. I'm intrigued to see how Jackson Dart does this year. I'm really intrigued to see how Jackson Dart does. I'm really excited for that. We got Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State. They just put Martin Emerson up in the league, who was a good corner, following his footsteps right here. Javon Foster at Missouri. Uh, there was another player that Missouri could have. Chris Abrams-Drain is someone that I would I would put probably him up there. Put up with him at up there first. And sticking with corners, South Carolina, Cam Smith. Yeah. Cam Smith's a beast. Cam Smith's a beast. Spencer Rattler would want to get his name mentioned up there as well, but given recent history, it's kind of hard to put Spencer Rattler up there. I'm going to keep him down at the bottom for now. He's number two, though. South Carolina's not really not necessarily coming out there with the most insane talent in the draft. Tennessee, Hendon Hooker. Really like Hendon Hooker. Yeah, fine with that. Lane Robinson for Texas A&M, best guard in the draft. And then Will Shepard. Everybody knows Will Shepard from Vanderbilt. Those are your top guys in the draft. Disagree with some, agreed with a lot of them as well, because we're at a point right now where nothing really makes sense. It's all projection. Like, this is all going to be wrong by the time the draft comes around in April of 2023. So it really doesn't matter what I say now because it's going to be very, very wrong. I want to do a mock draft at some point. I don't know exactly when that's going to come out, but I do want to do one. But this will be the last show for a little bit. Going down to Alabama with my family for a week. So we're not going to have a show any point next week, or we might. They're trying to get me to do an SEC preview down in Alabama, but I think I'm just going to chill and just relax down in Bama, have some fun down there, and we'll be back the next week. And we're coming up to the NFL. We're coming up to college football. We are getting closer and closer and closer to football season starting. We've got preseason football tonight. Uh, Patriots are playing somebody, and there's another team playing. I don't really care. Deshaun Watson starting the first Browns game, which should be very, very interesting. Josh Allen isn't playing. I saw Matt Ryan's playing. Yeah, 
preseason, if you don't play your starters, not really that big of a deal. Just give them at least one drive in preseason and get some of the rust off before the season starts. But yeah, we're getting closer, people. We're getting very, very close to football season. I, for one, am very excited. I hope the Field of Dreams game is as good as I'm making it out to be. If not, you all will know, and I'll know by the time I post this show for you tomorrow. <laughs> so, hope you enjoyed this show, though. Congratulations the Cubs winning 42 against Cincinnati Reds. I will see you all later. Peace.